Hi, I'm Elise Kennedy. Welcome to Jarden's Startup Tech Series, where we host entrepreneurs, venture funds, and tech companies on trends across the industry. Today, I'm excited to be joined by a dear childhood friend of mine, Brad Joffe, APAC General Manager for Human Resources and Payments Company Earned. Thanks for joining us today, Brad. Of course. Hi, Elise. It's nice to be here. It seems like yesterday when we were at uh, swimming carnivals and school camp <laughs> together. So this is a bit of a change of pace. I'm sure we can keep up by the sounds of it, but this is how your business is going. So I'm keen to give us a little bit of background. Give us the pitch on Earned and what they do. Sure. So I'll get into a bit of the background story in a bit, but essentially what we are is we're a charity-backed financial well-being platform. And we have a few different product features as part of the platform, but the core one and the one we're probably most known for is allowing employees to track how much they're being paid in real time and then actually access up to 50% of that as they earn it instead of waiting for their normal pay cycle. We also have a couple of other features as well. So we help people automatically save through payroll instead of having to go and actually save themselves. We also have a learning content, so financial well-being content that we deliver through our application to help kind of galvanize those positive financial well-being behaviors. And then we've also got a more personalized coaching part of the platform to help with financial fitness. One of the things sometimes that people kind of get caught in the trap of thinking is that we're payday lenders or predatory credit providers, but that's actually kind of the opposite to what we do. And it's the antithesis to our business model. We just simply give people access to the money that they've actually earned. Interesting. And I'm curious, what are the origin problems? Yeah. So I think if we go back, we started the business on the 10th of April, 2018. And there's a reason that I'm so specific with the date, <laughs> which I'll get back to. But at the time I was actually working in venture capital myself after about four years in corporate M&A legal work. And one of the guys who sat pretty much across the desk from me, his name was Josh Vernon at a sister fund uh, that we used to work very closely with, came up with the idea of earned and the genesis story was actually his friend found himself in a really, really sticky financial situation by using payday loans. Mm -hmm. So his friend who was pretty young at the time, but was fully employed and a pretty intelligent person just did the not so smart thing of going to a payday lender to borrow $500 because his fridge broke. And this is a story that's really, really common throughout Australia, but needed $500 in between pay paychecks, couldn't access it anywhere else. So went to a payday lender, got slapped with a 20% administration establishment fee, and then 4% interest month on month. So 48% annually. And that quickly meant that he had to take another loan on top of that to pay back the first one and actually ended up taking a second loan or a third loan to pay back that first one. And, and he found himself in this debt spiral. So at the time, we kind of were like, how can someone who's fully employed and a reasonably intelligent person find themselves in this situation where they're really, really struggling just because they didn't have access to funds in between pay? I think that really started, that set us on a journey to start digging into the industry in general. And I don't think we necessarily understood or grasped the enormity of the problem that many people like Levi, who is this person who took out the loans, face. So we started doing more and more digging. And what we found was pretty shocking. We've got 46% of people in Australia who are living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, that's from a NAB and MLC study. We've got one in three people who can't access $500 in an emergency, which is a Commonwealth Bank study. And so the unfortunate fact is that for a lot of people out there, all it takes is a broken fridge or a broken washing machine or a car accident or a medical bill. And a lot of people are left with nowhere to turn. And that's why they're kind of fueling this huge industry of predatory lending 
where we've got 782,000 payday loans taken out every year in Australia. And the average household that takes out a payday loan generally takes out 3.6 throughout the course of the year on average. So a lot of people are getting themselves into those kind of debt spirals just because of the fact that they can't access cheap and transparent money when they need to. That's a very interesting point as you, you raise around the credit cycle. I'm curious about who are those customers that you are capturing? Yeah, so we have been very, very fortunate since April 10th, 2018 to work with some awesome, awesome customers. We started out mainly with retail and hospitality providers like Blue Store and JD Sports and Adina and Travelodge and Vibe Hotels. And during COVID, obviously, that was a little bit of a challenge for us. And then we've kind of been been well supported throughout and thankfully I suppose we've managed to grow and now we're working with customers here in Australia like Hungry Jack's, BPay, Pizza Hut, Freedom Furniture, the Adeco Group and then also in the UK we're working with the National Health Service UK, some huge pub groups like Green King and Stonegate, some contact centre operations here in Australia like TSA Group and Pro Group, some really big ones and thankfully I suppose working with 600,000 employees now across the world which is awesome. And how do we look at the revenue? And pricing model. Yeah, so it's a bit of an interesting one. So we have a split revenue model generally. So there's exceptions, but on, generally we have a split model. We charge the employer a very small monthly SaaS fee or subscription fee to administer the benefit to their staff. And as part of that kind of subscription fee is included all of the integration work that will go into that customer success manager, customer support, technical support, all of those kind of things. And we bake it into that fee. We don't charge upfront costs because we know we can integrate pretty quickly and easily. And what we'll also do is kind of help build out all of the communications that go out to underlying employees to launch this benefit. And I think the reason for that is when employees think about implementing a benefit, oftentimes the feedback that we get is we just want something easy. We just want something that, you know, isn't necessarily going to take up a huge amount of our time and focus. We're already stretched as it is. And particularly now during COVID, HR leaders are absolutely stressed. So we do all the heavy lifting there. And that's kind of the one side. So that's the SaaS fee that we'll charge an employer on a monthly basis. And it depends on how big the organization is for the fee. And then on the employee side, we charge a flat fee of $2.49 per drawdown. So what that means is that when someone decides, all right, you know, I've accrued $500 halfway through my pay cycle, we give them access to only 50% of that. So we'll give them access to 250. If they decide that they draw down the $200, they'll get charged that flat fee of $2.49. There's no interest, there's no late fees, there's no penalties, nothing like that. And one of the reasons for that is because the repayment of those funds actually comes through the employer through their normal payroll processes. So it's very, very, very rare that we won't recover those funds from the employee. $2.49, pretty much the same that you'd pay at a non-bank ATM. But to do that, you actually have to have the money in your account, which for a lot of people, as we said, is a, a big struggle. And I think we did a lot of thinking and modeling around that fee. And we wanted to make sure that it was kind of the cheapest and most transparent access available to people when they need access to funds. And I mean, obviously, if you compare it to a payday lender where you've got that 20% establishment fee and 4% interest month on month, it's much better than that. But even if you kind of compare it to the late fee on not paying a gas or electricity bill, which is usually $10 to $12 or an overdraft fee, or maybe, you know, a buy now, pay later default fee, which is usually also around, you know, $10 or something like that, it kind of does 
pale in comparison to those. On that, we've also, so I mentioned there's a few different kind of platform features. The employees will get all of those for free. So the only thing they actually get charged for is when they access funds. But oh. then we've got the other features of the platform, which is being able to track your income. So most people use that actually. That's our most used feature of the app. We've got 72% of people who are using that on a weekly basis. Then we've got the savings piece, which is helping people automatically save through payroll. We've got learn as well, which is financial wellbeing content. We've got budgeting on the way and some other cool features that I'll try and keep tight-lipped about. So we've got all these kind of features that people can get the benefit of, but the only time that an employee actually pays is when they access some of their funds. And also some employers will actually cover the whole program. So it'll be a fully subsidized, fully employer-sponsored program. And that means that people can use the access component or draw down as much as they want. They don't pay any fees. And I think long-term what we're trying to do and we'll work towards is to shift you know, some of the thinking around trying to get more on the employer side so that the underlying users don't pay anything. It's not very consumer friendly, which is always some of the best business models that we do see in the environment. You mentioned before some of your customers were in the UK as well as Australia. Can you talk a bit about what that geographical footprint looks like? So we started in Australia and it's our core market. And I think obviously it'll always be our home. Last year, we expanded into the UK and the USA. And earlier this year, we merged with a business called WageStream. And WageStream is another earned wage access provider who's really currently leading the charge in Europe. It's been a pretty incredible journey, actually, since the merger, which I know isn't always the most common experience, as I used to work in mergers and acquisitions. <laughs> they can be a little bit tricky. But since the merger, what we've done is we've really reverted our focus back to Asia Pacific and WageStream are really leading the charge in Europe. I mentioned that we were founded on the 10th of April, 2018. WageStream were founded on the 7th of April, 2018. So three days before us, 17,000 kilometers away on a completely different continent in a completely different part of the globe, but really with the same core mission to help people's financial well-being. And we've actually got written in our articles of incorporation as a group that we have a positive obligation on the directors and executives of the company to help reduce the poverty premium and support financial well-being. So, you know, last year when we were competitors in the UK, we kind of got in the same room together and we just realized, you know, it was almost like bizarro world where you've just got the other people on the other side who are pretty much the same as you and, and trying to do the same mission. And yeah, since then, it's been amazing. And the group now, which is the WageStream group, we have offices and uh, customers and users in Australia, the UK, uh, Spain, and the USA. Fantastic. And it sounds as though with all this global footprint, how do you actually now go and reach those customers? Yeah. So, I mean, direct sales is still our primary kind of go-to-market strategy. It takes a lot of work and we've done a really good job at speaking with some of the you know largest employers in the country and at least kind of initiating that, that process. I think because of the nature of our business where we have such a strong interplay with payroll and time and attendance technologies, which is where we integrate with to be able to know how much a person has earned or accrued. Partnerships are also quite an important part of our go-to-market strategy. And so here in Australia, we have a great partnership with Ascender, which is a big payroll provider. They were actually just acquired by a Canadian business called Ceridian. We've got an awesome partnership with a business called Forth in the UK, which does a lot in the hospitality space. We've got an add-on or an integration 
with SAP, which is, you know, probably the payroll platform that most people would be familiar with. And in Australia as well, we've got workforce management partners like Human Force. So they're the time and attendance providers mainly. So they'll do all the rosters and scheduling. And also for an employee, maybe when they clock in and clock out at their job, that will be administered by Human Force. So we partner with them. The other part, which is quite interesting, is, is really kind of leveraging the user demand. So kind of the bottoms up type of approach. So the direct sales side, I suppose we come on in from the top, but then on the bottoms up approach, we've got about 35,000 people at the moment who are on our wait list. So we don't even market that. It was quite amazing to see how many people came through. But what we've got is we've got, you know, hundreds of employees from employers like Coles and Woolies and some of the ones that you might, you know, expect to see there. And so what we're also doing is kind of feeding back that demand and trying to create some groundswell. And you've got this wealth of knowledge, Brad. I'm curious to know about the industry more broadly. How should we think about what is that actual addressable market and how is it growing? So, I mean, the addressable market is huge if you think about it. In Australia, we've got two and a half-ish million businesses. I know a lot A lot of those are, you know, small, medium-sized businesses. We've got about 12 and a half million employees. So you think about it with a broad brush approach, that's kind of our total addressable market, you know, not thinking about New Zealand or APAC and also discounting the work that the group does in other parts of the world. I guess our kind of serviceable, available market is really kind of employers with 250 plus employees in the meantime. There's also a huge market for SMBs, which we see later down the track. But for the meantime, we're, we're starting with mid-market and enterprise customers. And then if you think about it, I mean, the market globally, we've got anywhere between three and four billion employees across the globe. So I think there's a huge opportunity there. But I I suppose, yeah, getting to all of those employees will be extremely difficult for one provider to do. Yeah, for sure. And what do you think and captures of this market today? So we still capture a very small proportion of the market. So yeah, as I said, kind of globally, we're working with about 600,000 employees, but there's plenty of blue ocean ahead of us. Again, kind of now our sweet spot is businesses with, you know, 250 or 500 people plus. If we look at how many employees are captured in businesses with 500 people plus in Australia, there's about 3 million employees who are working in those size organizations. I feel a long way for growth by the sounds of it. And I'm curious about what are some of those drivers of the industry growth? So I think like generally, you know, there is probably... People in Australia up until recently, they were definitely, you know, borrowing more, saving less. Now people are probably saving a bit more after COVID. But I think on a macro trend, dealing with finances and financial stress is becoming a lot more pervasive. From an industry perspective, I think there's really two important tailwinds that have projected us to where we are today. One is, I think employees matter more than ever before. And Mm. organizations are doing incredible things to attract and retain employees, whether it's you know, bring your dog to work days or fruit bowls or, you know, health insurance, part of your package, or we even went to a call center operation that was a customer of ours kind of, you know, before the recent lockdown, but they had people, masseuses coming over and actually giving people massages in their chairs. And, you know, all these amazing things that employers are doing to help keep their staff happy and motivated and engaged. And if you open any single annual report, most of them will say our people is our greatest asset. So from a people perspective and well-being perspective, I think the focus is just getting more and more on that, which is great for us because we're financial well-being. And then the 
other tailwind is really that we live now in the on-demand world where pretty much everything's at your fingertips, available to you when you want, whether it's Uber or Netflix or Deliveroo. So it just kind of makes sense for us that pay, which is the one thing that really sustains a lot of people, should be transported into that realm as well. It just makes sense. Yes, as you say, and I have to hit up my employee on the uh, massage front. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, are there any differences when you look around the globe at the market? Yeah, there are actually some some pretty significant differences. I mean, you wouldn't think that they are, but if you take the UK, for example, most employees in the UK are paid monthly. So even retail and hospitality employees, most of them are paid monthly, which is very, very different to Australia, I suppose. They've also got a really, really strong open banking infrastructure there because it's been a while for, it's been around for quite a while. In the US, most people are paid fortnightly, which is quite interesting. And payday lending there is just super, super prevalent. You've got more payday lending stores than you do have McDonald's in, in the US, which is just crazy. Oh, wow, good stat. So Australia is kind of a bit of an enigma because we have this system now where you've got like a mix of weekly, fortnightly, monthly pay cycles. So we've got 60% of people paid fortnightly, 20% monthly and 20% weekly here in Australia. And I suppose like the generally the lower that you're paid, the less kind of time you have to wait for that. So it's a little bit hard, but HR tech is pretty big here. And we have some awesome businesses like Zero and Deputy and Safety Culture. So the readiness is there. Very much so. I'm curious, Brad, about the competitive landscape. What is it like and who are your main competitors? So it's quite interesting. So we were kind of the first in the B2B space here in Australia, but there are some other competitors that are popping up and you can broadly divide them into kind of two categories. So we've got the B2B to C players like us and we call that earned wage access. And then we've got our B2C providers, which are more kind of wage advanced providers. So what's the difference? So what we do is we go in through the employer to be able to offer this benefit to their staff. And going in through the employer route, we can kind of provide businesses with this really, really nice kind of warm hug of a benefit to their staff. And it's a differentiating perk that helps increase staff engagement, helps them attract talent quicker. We've actually done some studies and we found that roles that list earned as a benefit fill eight days faster than ones that don't, helps them retain people, it helps them fill shifts faster, all these kind of really cool ancillary benefits. And so what we do is we work with employers to pretty much, you know, give this benefit to their staff. We actually also work with some employers to lengthen out their pay period. If they'd like to move from weekly to fortnightly, they can use this as a stopgap. And so as an earned wage access provider, we do exactly what the name implies. We give people access to the wages that they've actually earned. And to be able to do this, it means what differentiates us from other financial service providers is kind of the integrity of the data that we use to be able to give people access to their funds. And so what this means, and this is a very roundabout way of saying it, but we will integrate with the payroll and time and attendance systems of a particular employer. And we need that to be able to offer the service to their staff. So we actually know at any given point in the pay cycle, how much a particular employee has earned or accrued up until that point. And then we give them the ability to access 50% of those earnings in real time. So there's some competitors in Australia in the space, very similar to us. So we've got few ones called nine to five, 
another called Paytime, Zayzoon, which is actually a Canadian business that has an office here, Cash. Those are kind of slightly earlier on in their journey than us. And we're seeing lots and lots uh, pop up as well. And then there's also the wage advance providers that you might've seen advertised on buses or on the radio. And they actually go directly to the consumer. So instead of going through the business and integrating with payroll and time and attendance, they'll go directly out to the mass market, to the public, so more B2C. They don't touch payroll or time and attendance. And what they'll use is they'll analyze bank statements to make an assumption on how much a person is likely to earn and then give them access to a smaller proportion of that, but usually for a higher fee. So that's kind of the competitive landscape here in Australia. In other parts of the world, you know, the, the market is absolutely roaring. In the US, there's a few big providers, like there's three, I think, who are valued at a billion dollars plus. I don't know if you've seen recently, but there's a company called Dave, which is more of like a new fintech, neobank type of application that has part of this, part of their offering. But they recently announced that they're probably going to list via a SPAC at a $4 billion US valuation. We've also got companies like Daily Pay, which just raised at a $1 billion app valuation, Earnin, which is reportedly over a billion, PayActive, Even, Gusto, Instant, all these ones in the US. In the UK, we've got WageStream, which is you know part of our group now, Salary Finance, Neighbor, a few others. In Spain, there's plenty of competitors. And in other parts of the world, we're kind of seeing all these competitors pop up pretty much every week. It's interesting. It sounds very similar to the buy now, pay later space in fintech, as you recognize around the world, is just seeing all-time high valuation. It just seems an industry that's ripe for disruption. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious to know, how easy is it? I mean, on the surface, you would think it would be relatively easy to replicate this business. But once you start looking under the hood, it's a lot more difficult than you might think. Payroll is an exceptionally, exceptionally complex environment, and it takes a lot of time to learn it. And it's quite difficult. You know, it's very, very clunky. So that side of the business can get quite complex and we've spent three and a half years really understanding it and learning it quite well. The financing side of the business also can be quite complex. So there's definitely some barriers to entry there. And I think particularly on the technical side. So, you know, we've got a pretty amazing technical team who spent a lot of time and a lot of late nights building out the infrastructure, but not only the infrastructure, it's more like the earned environment. So the way that we integrate and connect with payroll, time and attendance, our banking integrations, for example, we were actually the first non-bank to be able to hook in directly to the NPP via API because NAB previously was an investor in our business and the biggest shareholder in our business. So those kind of things really, really set you apart. So it means that when someone actually accesses their cash, it's sent to them within a couple of seconds. And we might just touch on a few of the economics of the business. What do you see as the, the biggest input cost and, and how do you think that's going to trend over the next one or three to five years? Biggest input cost for us is definitely our debt financing. So, you know, when that person accesses the two $200 throughout the middle of their pay cycle, we have to fund that. So there's no change to the employer's cash flow or working capital. It all comes from earned and then we get repaid through the normal payroll processes. So that's our biggest cost. We've also got other costs on the tech side, like verification of employees and NPP transaction fees, etc. But yeah, the main cost for us is definitely going to be on the financing side. And I think that'll continue to be so throughout the life of the business. But as we get bigger and build our book, 
then we can probably negotiate some better rate with some of the banks and other financiers. Yeah, and I guess that can serve as a competitive advantage against some of those new guys coming in in the long run too. Exactly. And what are you seeing amongst your customers? Do you see much churn or are they relatively sticky? Thankfully, on the kind of organisation or employer side, we have 100% retention, which is awesome. I know we've only been around for three and a half years, but it's great. And we supported some of those employers throughout COVID. And I think our customer success team is just phenomenal and is really our kind of secret weapon in keeping people really happy. When it gets down to the employee side of the business, it's a pretty sticky product. We do have kind of two cohorts of people, some which use the service pretty regularly, others that might use it emergency expenses and might use it one month and then not the next month. The average drawdown per month that we see across the board is around four. So it mimics that weekly pay cycle. The average drawdown amount is about $128. And in terms of the stickiness there, as I said, we don't really see too much user churn, but we might get people that go from being an active user one month and using it one or two times to not using it for a few months and then, you know, using it again because they need it to cover an expense. Mm. And then we've got the others that might be using it, you know, pretty frequently. Like, for example, we've got users that draw down every single day and they put it into a mortgage offset account and then they save on fees that they pay to the bank. And that's actually from one of the organizations where they fully subsidize the cost of the program. So the employees don't pay anything when they're drawing down. Yeah, interesting. And I'm curious about the strategies for growth. It sounds like you've got geographic role, you're growing into other different what I call modules. How do you think about the future growth? Yeah, so I think, look, there's a lot of growth for us. The potential market's huge. We expect to announce some awesome new customers soon. We're seeing kind of this paradigm change. So people were thinking, you know, you need to get paid weekly, fortnightly or monthly because that's the way it is. And all of a sudden people are realizing, no, that's not the way it needs to be. So that's starting to take hold, particularly in the US and UK and slowly here in Australia. And I think, again, if we're on the on-demand world, then people should also have flexibility around their pay. On the product side, like you mentioned with the modules, I think we're just getting started. So we've got lots of exciting things in the future there. And I think there's a really cool opportunity to kind of shift the way that financial services or financial support is delivered to a more employer focused realm. And most people, the start of their income journey or where they really start their financial journey is with their employer. They pay them their wage. That's where they start it. Without that wage, you know, they can't go and save money. They can't invest. They can't do anything. So it kind of makes sense that that's a good place to start and think about it. So we're going to build out a lot of products there. And then I think obviously on the kind of expansion side, with the wage stream merger and looking at other parts of the world, there's lots of opportunity. Fantastic. And I'll ask one last question you, you brand is around M&A. What's the appetite for M&A looking forward? That's a good question. So we've been through our own exciting ride in the last year with our merger with WageStream. I think, uh, yeah, I think there's definitely potential uh, in the future to try and maybe replicate what we've done here in other parts of the world. Again, I'll keep tight-lipped about that, but there might be some down the path and also potentially also looking at adjacencies in payroll and time and attendance. So yeah, I think there's definitely appetite there. Again, we're still kind of a scale up. So we're not at the stage where we're hugely acquisitive, but to fund our growth and to you know help our growth, we can definitely look at it. So Brad Joffe from Earn, thank you so much once again for your time. You have a wealth of knowledge. I'm sure I could extend this for an hour, but I will stop there. And if there is anybody who wants to reach out, please do reach out to myself, Elise Kennedy or Brad Joffe. Thanks again. Thanks, Elise. Thanks for that. That was great.